Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. After a nine-plus-month hiatus, we finally made it, folks. The return of college tennis coming this weekend. Now, we've still got a week and a half to go before arguably the most anticipated, the most dramatic ITA kickoff weekend in college tennis history, but we will have dual matches returning to our lives starting this Friday and then throughout the weekend as well, and that is something all of us can get excited about. About. Of course, we've still got a ton of preseason coverage for all of you Cracked Rackets fans planned in the pipelines. One of the series we have going, our College Contender Series, where we have broken down our top 11 Division I men's tennis teams heading into this 2021 season. And as part of that coverage, we've had the incredible privilege to speak with the head coaches of all of the programs we've discussed. Of course, Matt Stachowiak, Chris Hallie, Oris, and I coming together every week on our Great Shot podcast to break down these teams. Matt Stachowiak writing about all of these teams for our website, CrackRackets.com. And then here on this podcast, Chris Paliors and I have spoken with all of these coaches, and we have another conversation with a head coach for all of you listeners today. We speak with the coach of our number two preseason ranked team heading into this 2021 season. It is head coach Tony Bresky of the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, of course. We've had the chance to speak with Coach Bresky before on this show, and you know, there are a few coaches who have had as much success as he has throughout the past decade in college tennis. His Demon Deacons bringing home the national title and national indoor team title in 2018. They make the finals of both events in 2019 and then got off to a really strong start last season. Now it was a young team but a team that had plenty of depth and that is a theme for Coach Bresky this season and of course he is someone who pulls from all over the world in terms of recruiting and so we asked Coach how difficult is it going to be for him to try and figure out his lineup given how little he's actually seen of his team in the past six months and you know of course we ask him what it's like to have to negotiate all the various COVID protocols how he's approaching the season from a scheduling standpoint and then of course we ask a little bit about his team how he expects the roster to shake out what he thinks his lineup might end up looking like all of that a little bit of fun as well it's always a pleasure to get the chance to speak with Coach Bresky. Of course, before we get to that conversation, I have to remind all of you listeners the reason we are able to do this day in, day out, because of all of your fantastic support, because of the support of our Patreon family, and of course, because of the support we get from our friends at Midwest Sports. I say it all the time, so I can be brief here today. I'm serious, folks. If you have any needs in your own tennis life, you can find all the best gear at all the best prices with our friends at Midwest Sports. Just go to MidwestSports.com, use that promo code CR15, get 15% 
20% off all of your orders. Get free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. MidwestSports.com. The promo code is CR15 to let them know we sent you there. Also, I just want to point out, be on the lookout for some of our other college tennis content down the home stretch. We are recording a rankings podcast tonight that will either be released on Friday or early next week, breaking down our top 10 singles players, top 10 individual doubles teams of the 2021 season. And then we've got a mega preview podcast for you next week as well on top of the ITA kickoff weekend preview podcast we plan on doing but we want to do a mailbag pod so if you have any questions for us listeners of this podcast things you know we haven't discussed yet on the podcast questions you have lingering entering the 2021 season feel free to send them into us you can mail them uh, mail them wow what is this yeah please use the pony express send them to me via telegram or use the morris code boop, 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 boop. oh you want me to ask about what the mac is going to look like this year in tennis of course that's what you were coding to me but no of course if you want or have a question feel free to dm us on twitter instagram facebook feel free to tweet at us directly at great shot pod at cracked rackets at matt underscore stack at college tennis ranks you guys all know how to find us by now but send in your questions please we want to answer your questions talk about the things you all are most curious about entering the season so uh, we're going to send out that tweet sometime today be on the lookout for that you can send your question as a response to those tweets or again however you wish to communicate with us so that's something we have planned on the horizon like four podcasts i think the rankings podcast the mega uh, mailbag podcast we still have our again ita kickoff weekend preview and then of course uh, we still have to preview the number one team in our college contender series so i know this is a long intro i apologize just wanted to give you all a heads up on what we have in the closing week here before things really get underway with iti kickoff weekend but what did you come here to hear you wanted to hear our conversation with wake forest head coach tony Tony Bresky. So without further ado, let's get to that conversation. Westoff, roll it. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Joining us on the podcast today, a returning champion here on our Crack Racket shows. And don't let his cool demeanor and sunglass lace face fool you. Behind that, of course, is one of the most ruthless competitors in all of college tennis, the head coach of the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, Coach Tony Bresky. Coach, welcome back to the show. It is great to have you. Happy New Year to you and your family. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Happy New Year to you, too, and uh, excited to be here. Oh, it is always a pleasure to have you, Coach. And it's crazy to think, but it has been about nine months since the 2020 season was canceled. So much has happened since then. But now we're less than two weeks away from the kickoff of the 2021 season. So I have to ask, how are you and the team feeling? Are you excited to get back out on court? Well, we're, we're excited. All our boys rolled in on uh, January the 2nd for the most part, um, minus one covid issue um but yeah the boys are here and we've been on the court and practicing and they're excited 
you know, we're excited to go. It's obviously a crazy time and no one knows what's going to happen, but you know, we have our first match tentatively scheduled for January the 16th. So, you know, that's rolling up here pretty quickly. And, uh, you know, I'll, I know we'll be excited to compete. Yeah, absolutely. And look, we're as excited to see that schedule come out, Coach, as anyone out there. So if you want to leak it to us beforehand, happy to give it the quick look through. But, you know, again, you have been, as a former college tennis player, as a coach, in the game really for about 20-plus years now. And I just, you know, in all of your experiences through college tennis, you know, how have these last nine months been for you and the program? Was it at all possible to prepare for a moment like this, or has it really just been rolling with the punches? And honestly, Alex, it's more rolling with the punches. I mean, it's been, it's weird. Obviously, you know, it's funny. You're talking about the schedule there. And um, to be totally honest with you, um, so is my administration. A few people around here, you know, (laughs) we're we're almost done. And, you know, I think we finally, ACC finally gave us um, the go ahead with a full ACC schedule, move some things around. So, um, you know, gave us a couple bye weekends to account for COVID um so you know then we had to make some more changes got got a few stipulations we have to deal with as far as travel goes but um no i think it's going to be you know a, a healthy schedule we're we're allotted 22 dates so that's you know as much as we normally have in the spring if not uh, a little bit more so yeah we're looking forward to hopefully having a full schedule um as far as the preparation goes no that i mean it's it's been weird you know we had we had a bunch of guys who weren't even here this fall, you know, who had decided to stay at home just because they thought they'd have more playing opportunities, which probably turned out to be true. You know, we, as the ACC, we weren't allowed to take our guys to tournaments. So it was a little limited what uh, we were able to do in the fall. And it's, I think that's kind of where we are now for the spring as well. You know, it's, it's a day day by day basis, you know, from a practice to matches to how we're going to travel to, you know, who's going to be healthy, how, how many guys have played a lot, how many guys haven't played, you know, I think it's going to be a very interesting season. Mm-hmm. And this is something we will explore more later in the podcast, but for someone who has a team this year that, you know, legitimately 12 guys deep, right? If you wanted to field Wake Forest A, Wake Forest B, you could probably field two top 15 teams. And for you to not get to see those guys competing in the way you usually do, how much more difficult does that make that for you, for your staff to sort of evaluate where you guys are heading into the season? That's uh, a good question. It's, it's crazy difficult. You know, we... We literally have no idea what our lineup's going to be. You know, it's like you said, this is by far and away the most depth we've ever, ever had on our team. You know, we feel like we have um, quite a few very good tennis players around here. And, you know, at some point we have, like I said, we have about 10 days till our first match. And fortunately that's a double header might turn into a triple header. <laughs> we'll see. Um, you know, so we'll have a lot of guys that have a chance to play, but you know, at some point we're just going to have to make a decision on the lineup. And, you know, <laughs> in some ways it's just going to be a guess because, you know, some guys have played more than others. Some guys are a little healthier than others. You know, we'll have some practice matches, which, you know, we, we don't usually base a lot off practice matches, but we might have to base a little bit off that moving forward. And, you know, we'll just have to start somewhere and see how it goes. We, you know, Coach, Alex I was say, can help out with, we can help out I, with that lineup. Exactly. I, I, I personally wouldn't recommend listening well, you, to Hey, look, guys, you, but, you, but, you, know, you guys might be better off than me making a lineup. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you, I'm happy to do the job, Coach. Happy to fill in. You know where I'm I'll, – I'll make sure if it's against, you know, my Wolverines in particular, no bots or no squire, none of those guys. We don't need any of them playing. We'll be fine 7 through 12. But, you know, yeah, again, looking at the roster this season, how many players you bring back versus the addition of a couple of new uh, Italian players, some – 
graduate transfers coming in as well. You look at the talent you have assembled, I imagine it's got to be an exciting time in Winston-Salem. Well, yeah, I mean, it really is. You know, I think the guys, obviously, <laughs> everyone's excited to get going. Last year was, you know, we had, we had a pretty young team, I and mean, I felt like we were kind of getting rolling a little bit there, and we were, you know, getting some momentum. And, you know, that's generally what it takes with the younger guys. You know, it's kind of late February, early March, I feel like, where they get the hang of it, especially for the January admits. Um, you know, so it's been it's been a while since all of us have been together, and, you know, I think there's a lot, a lot of excitement. You know, I think we have several guys that have aspirations of playing pro tennis so you know i think the shutdown was tough for them some guys were able to do a better job than others with you know getting out there and playing some tournaments and futures and and picking up some points um and improving um and unfortunately it was a individual situation you know with the circumstances of what every country was going to allow people to do how they were going to let them train um so yeah it's it's definitely an exciting time and i i know the boys are ready to roll you talk about last year's team. Chris and I had the chance to be in person for the national indoors, and that quarterfinal match you guys played against Ohio State, I think I can speak for Chris here when I say that was our most exciting match of the 2020 season, that 4-3 thriller, and just the contrast between you on one end, Tucker on the other, just the difference in personalities. It was absolutely delightful for us fans, but for your team to have that sort of experience to play a match like that, and then you know, as you mentioned, really have momentum on their side, finishing 12-3. and three. Uh, How do you guys carry that momentum, or at least try to carry that momentum into this season, particularly when, as you mentioned, even though you bring a lot of guys back, it's still a relatively young team? Well, for sure. Well, the funny part about it is, you know, from an eligibility standpoint, everyone except um, Adam, who's our grad transfer, has the option of coming back the following year. You know, so, you know, we have um, a lot of youth, but, uh, you know, those guys are able to come back for another year if they so choose to, depending on how things go. You know how college tennis is crazy. So you have guys who are, you know, maybe guys who are going to graduate or just, you know, transfer or want to go pro, stuff like that. But, you know, that's that's a little bit of a ways down the road. But, uh, you know, as far as carrying over the momentum, I think it's I think it's tough. That was that was a long time ago. <laughs> you know, you're not, you're talking about eight, nine months and, you know, it's been a while. So I think you're kind of starting anew here. Um, you know, it's a, it's a fresh season and, you know, we'll, we'll kind of have to take it a day at a time and see where we're at. Yeah. So, so coach, you mentioned before we get into kind of roster and lineup, you'd made a couple references to the whole, you know, the COVID situation. And I'm curious, I haven't really asked any of the other coaches this, but from even from an ACC standpoint, what have they given? I assume they've given the guidelines for this year. Like we've seen in other sports in terms of, Hey, if you got one guy that's got a test, He's, you know, you sit and then you can still play. I assume there's some sort of threshold type number or, you know, there's some threshold at which point you go, nope, that's canceled. And that's why we have the two bye weeks and, you know, the two other weeks in there to make up. What, what is that, that policy for the, for the conference season in terms of what ends up postponing matches this year? Yeah, I, that's, that's a really good question. I can't say I have a, have a precise answer for that. Um, you know, I think as a conference, we decided you have to have four players eligible and healthy to to play. You know, that's non. You know, that that is COVID related. So if you have enough guys that have COVID or COVID tracing, um, you know, and the medical staff deems that they can't play, you have to have four to have a match happen. You know, I think we set it at four because we're obviously cognizant of the travel concerns. You know, if a, if the team flies somewhere, you know, we want to get as many matches in as possible. 
we, I think as coaches in ACC, I think everyone kind of understood that there's going to be some weird lineups out there. You know, there's going to be times where guys have to sit, a couple guys have to sit because of injuries, um, you know, COVID, whatever it is. And I think if there's every year to have a lot of depth, this is a good year to do it. Um, you know, I think a lot of it's going to depend on the medical staff at every school and how they handle their COVID policies, COVID tracing policies, stuff like that. So, um, you know, I, I don't really know. They haven't told us for sure here. I, I, I assume that's the case at most schools. So, you know, I don't know if, like, say, if one of my guys tests positive for COVID and we traveled somewhere, if that means my whole t- team's out for 10 to 14 days, you know, or if it's just that person or it depends how the tracing goes. So, it's like I said, I mean, it's going to be a day-by-day basis, you know, and I've tried personally just to just do the best I can every day with the guys, hopefully make sure they have a good experience, stay healthy. And, you know, if there's ever a year that I've probably been less stressed about our results, I think it's probably this year just because I think there is, um, you know, just so much uncertainty out there. Yeah, the, the, cra- the crazy thing to me, and I'm interested on, on just, I doubt you've done anything personally, but just maybe more of the guys take is this year, you always want your guys to be really close, right? I mean, the, a better team bond is always good for team results. But then this year, you look at, well, hey, when as soon as somebody gets a positive test and we end up in this tracing ritual, all of a sudden, everyone's out if you've all been hanging out together. So are the guys like, you know, are they taking that into account and sort of saying, hey, socially, let's not hang out together, guys. We practice and that's it. Or are they still kind of just business as usual? And if it happens, it happens. And, you know, we miss a match and then and, and go from there. Well, I, yeah, it, that, that's a funny one. I mean, I think you're probably as a coach you're probably naive to think that kids aren't going to be kids you know they're 18 19 20 years old and they're they're gonna they're gonna spend time together you know hopefully i think at least for us right now we're pretty lucky our school doesn't start till the end of january so they're gonna get they're gonna get a full month of basically um you know ourselves and ourselves only so i think that's a great way to start the season as far as being around you know, I think most of their social interaction will be at the tennis court, but, you know, a lot of our guys live together, so there's just no way around that, you know, and I think, you know, they've kind of made sure that all our guys on campus have individual rooms, but they, you know, they share a bathroom with another guy, and, you know, there's no way they're not going to spend time with each other, so it's just, I don't know, we were we were very lucky in the fall, you know, whatever we did seemed to work, we didn't have one COVID case on our team, having said that, we only had half our guys here, and you know, we didn't do any traveling. So I, I don't know. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting. We're doing, we just finished our third COVID test of this week, this morning, you know, from here on out, I think we're going to do at least one a week, if not two. So there's going to be a lot of testing and, you know, we're going to, we're going to have to try our best to stay healthy. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't envy, I don't envy that. I've taken two of those tests and, you know, enough of those Q-tips. That, that's, that's enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you, you get to the you get to the point where you take enough of them. It just doesn't phase you anymore. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, so let, let's move let's move a little to the roster Alex was referring to, and you know, I obviously first talk a little bit about the new guys you got. You got Luciano, you got Maroni, and then obviously you got Adam Ambrosi coming in as a grad transfer uh, from Columbia. What a, you know, and I'm I'm assuming that the 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 true freshmen weren't even there in the fall. True. That is right. That is right. Yeah. We were fortunate. Adam was here for a few weeks in the fall. So we got to know him a a little bit. You know, he, he wasn't here the whole time. It's 
man, talk about a tough situation for him. You know, he's only going to get a year with us, and that year has basically turned into one semester and, you know, a little under a month. So at least we were able to get to know him a little bit and get on the court with him a little bit in the fall. Um, and the new, the two new guys is exactly what you said. You know, they're they're new. They're, you know, in today, you know, two, three of practice, and everything's going to be new, and they're – you know, they're not even in their dorms yet. They're in a hotel till the dorms open and, you know, meet kind of get to know all the guys, get to know us as coaches. And, you know, 10 days from now, they'll be playing their first match. So we'll, we'll see what they can do. Mm-hmm. Coach, uh, you, I, I was going to say, coach, you referred to this earlier uh, in reference to uh, the new guys and just, you know, trying to get to know them. And on your roster, you have, you know, two stalwarts. And I feel like, you know, we can just refer to Barbatzer as the nuclear bomb because unless you really need to pull him out of the roster, you know, I, I feel like we're going to see him five matches max this season because you know what you're getting in Barbatzer. You know, similarly, you probably know exactly what you're getting from Melios Estafalu at this point. That's a guy who's going to grind down every match. You know the effort you're going to get from him, uh, but you probably can't say that about the other guys on your roster. So just, you know, almost out of necessity, even though a guy like Estafalu, a guy like Bot or they've had so much success early on in their career. Will the inclination for you early in the season be, okay, I know what I'm getting from those guys. Let me try and see what I'm going to get from the other guys first as well. I think, I think that's very possible. Um, you know, I think we're just I, over the next 10 days, again, everyone was in such a different situation with shutdowns and how much they were able to play. You know, we're going to have to kind of see how healthy the guys are you know, how they're playing, like what the adjustment is from outdoors to indoors, you know, kind of stuff like that. So I, I, I think so. I mean, I think obviously, you know, with the new guys, especially the young guys, you know, they're going to have to get into college tennis somehow and we're going to have to see what they can do. Um, certainly with the depth of our team, I expect that we're going to have, um, you know, some lineup shuffling, uh, moving around, stuff like that to give different guys opportunity. You know, I think, with the goal that we always have, which is hopefully, you know, playing our best at national indoors and then ACCs and NCAs. So, you know, maybe, you know, maybe not being as stressed about every match throughout the course of the season, which I think we've always done a pretty good job of having perspective on, on when we want to peak. Yeah. I mean, I, I got to imagine that means that, you know, obviously we haven't seen the schedule. So barring, you know, it being super competitive, if it's not what I, you know, when I say super competitive, if you're playing North Carolina, you're playing Baylor, you're playing whoever, we got to see the freshmen at least like getting in at five and six, just so you can see a real scenario of what, what, what they've got. Right. Oh, for sure. Well, look, we're, we're, we're going to start out with some doubleheader kind of matches to start the weekend. Um, you know, so they'll, everyone will get some PT there and then, and then it gets tough. You know, we have, we have Tennessee coming in uh, before kickoff weekend. I think we worked it out with them. You know, they're on their way to play um, the NC state regional. Um, so we'll play them before kickoff and, you know, they, they have a great team and we'll get a really good test with them. And then it's off to kickoff weekend. And, and after that, it's, um, you know, certainly we have tried to set up as many double headers as we could this year, you know, with home matches, just because again, we're going to try to keep our guys sharp and give a lot of guys opportunity. But uh, the out of conference schedule is, um certainly tough you know we have baylor coming in here we play at georgia you know we have an out of conference match at uva uh got south carolina coming in here uh we were actually supposed to go to ohio state but that got canceled um unfortunately ty's team was not able to play out of conference so you know we're going to try to make that one happen next year but it's uh it's definitely a challenging out of conference schedule and then you know then you get into the acc schedule which is um you know crazy tough 
It's interesting you say that about Ty because I had heard some rumors, and I haven't seen schedules yet, but heard that the Big Ten was basically going to be Big Ten. And, boy, for those Big Ten schools, that's that's a, a killer when it comes to ranking points possibilities, right? If you can't get out of the Big Ten, you don't get a lot of opportunities to get those points. Well, you would say you would say yes, except no one's told us how the rankings are going to work this year. So, you know, on a normal year, if they keep the rankings the same, yeah, that's going to be really challenging for them, you know, because by the end of the year, you're talking about taking your best nine wins heading into NCAs. And, you know, if they with kickoff weekend and national indoors, if they've only played 14 or so matches, something like that, and, you know, they, they only have so many opportunities. Yeah, that's going to be super tough and it's probably going to skew the rankings in, in an odd way. Um, you know, having said that, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not overly stressed about it just because it's, um, you know, it's going to be a challenging season and we'll just have to see how they decide to do the rankings. You know, maybe they change the whole ranking structure. Maybe they do it on votes this year. I don't know. We'll, we'll just have to see. <laughs> That's funny. Do it on votes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in. Look, I, Chris, I feel like we would get closer and closer to potentially having votes here. We'll set Coach Bresky's lineup. We'll vote on that lineup being number one. It's a, it's a circle for us. Yeah, no, the, the, no travel restrictions in our world. Everyone can come play in Indianapolis. But, uh, you know, Coach, it, you, you talk about obviously trying to negotiate that schedule, trying to play double headers, and, you know, you're someone who who likes their team to go through adverse situations, to play the best teams across the country, regardless, home, away, whatever it may be. Uh, it sounds like from all of the coaches we have talked with, and it sounds like for you guys as well, it's going to be a very geography-based schedule if you go to Texas, you stay there for three days, try and sneak in as many Texas-based matches as possible. Is that the theme of the season? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it is. You know, I think um, kickoff weekend, we were probably, we were hoping to stay a little bit more local and kind of made a last-minute decision there with, you know, a couple things uh, maybe not panning out the way we had thought. Um, I think almost all our, all our out of conference matches are relatively within driving distance. So, you know, I think we're, we're obviously a little bit more fortunate, I think, than most, and that we do have access to the private plane. So um, that can be a good thing or that can be a bad thing, maybe with COVID tracing this year. <laughs> so, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes, um, you know, and how much we're able to use that and how that pans out. But yeah, I think for most schools, um, you know, it's, it's a little bit more regional, you know, Sam and I at, at UNC have talked about also doing a, out of conference match or even with NC State, something like that. So, you know, there might be one addition in there. And I think most teams are looking to kind of keep things pretty regional. Yeah. No, I mean, you bring up the national indoors. I was going to say, I think we have to ask about the national indoors because we had all heard, Coach, that you guys were headed to NC State. And then obviously, uh, Stanford makes the decision to head there with the first overall pick. So I guess the question I have to ask you, Coach, did you blink? You saw Stanford was going to NC State, and you're like, you know what? I'm good. Well, I, to be honest, I, I was shocked by that. You know, I felt like, I, I, you know, with what's going on in California, I, I did not think they were going to leave the state. You know, I figured if they were going to participate, I was positive they were going to go to USC. You know, and I, I really thought that was going to kind of materialize there. And then, you know, then we were just going to see. You know, and then we were going to have a few choices, and you know, we had a few places that were kind of driving distance. You know, we we could grind, kind of could grind a drive to Michigan. You know, obviously NC State. You know, we could have went to UNC. Um, you know, and all, all those were options. And then, kind of last minute, um, 
you know, we kind of just decided to go to TCU and be the two seed. And, you know, we'll see. It's, uh, every regional was going to be really tough this year, you know, with the way they did it. And we have a very tough match starting out the regional with Oklahoma. And, you know, we'll, we'll have to see where we are at that point. So. All right. So, so we'll, we'll go ahead and take that as a yes. You blame but... <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but, but actually what shocked me, uh, follow, what shocked me more uh, was that even if, they were allowed outside. And I think we actually all thought uh, and had talked to some folks that said, yeah, they can leave California. The consensus was, well, if you're leaving California and you're Stanford and you're an outdoor team, you go to Texas. Why the hell do you go to NC State? I don't get it. But so let's say that that had happened. You still had, you know, Florida, Texas A&M in there. I assume that to mean had Florida and A&M already been the two-seated NC State, you still go. I I don't know. I mean, I think yeah, it, it, it's certainly possible. Um, you know, I think all those teams are so so very good. I mean, TCU is very good. You know, I think our thought was kind of like, well, maybe we're better off going to be at two seed with the chance that, you know, that your first match. Obviously, when you're the two, you don't know who you're going to play. You know, and so if you if you go somewhere and you're the three seed and you end up playing an A and M or Florida or Stanford first. I mean, and then, you know, obviously if you're lucky enough to get by and you play the host, holy cow, that's a that, that's a tough little stretch there just to qualify for national indoors. So, you know, maybe if you're the two seed somewhere, you get a little lucky and you, you play a team that's maybe not a top 10-ish kind of team, um, you know, which was maybe our thought there. You know, Dallas is, um, as far as flying, is obviously an easy trip for us as far as you get a direct flight from Greensboro, you know, hour 45, it's not not crazy and theirs was also indoors um which i think i don't know i was a little torn on that too because i actually think with my younger guys and what we have i think we're actually going to be a better outdoor team this year but having said that the weather is so hidden hidden miss here you know we might have not got outside enough so i just said ah, let's try to keep it to indoors no and looking you talk about the the degree of difficulty no matter what region you had to this season and obviously out of necessity they decided to condense the field and it's only seven host sites 28 teams on the kickoff weekend is that something you are looking forward to and is that something maybe you would like to see adopted because you know under normal circumstances regardless of where you guys finish in the rankings it was going to be top 15 and so more likely than not you're hosting a regional and obviously if there are 15 host sites every other region is that much more diluted but you know that's not going to be the case this week uh this year every region no matter where you go every match is going to be tough is that something you like from the kickoff weekend or do you expect to see it expand again once things return to normal oh i i think i'd like to see it expand i mean i think it gives more teams the opportunity to compete i think it's um, one of the more fun things you do when you see the draft. I know you guys enjoy it. I, I, I enjoy it seeing where people decide to pick. You know, you can see see teams that you never get to see and, you know, have a chance to, if you're one of those teams that, that are picking and you want a chance at, you know, the big boys and you kind of snuck into the rankings at the end, you're going to have that chance and it's a great experience for your guys. And obviously, I, I love national indoors with 16 teams. I, I certainly understand why they did it this year, moved it to eight, condensed it a little bit. I, I like the indoors with 16. I mean, I think, you know, especially early in the year there, when you have all those teams get together, it makes for so many great matches. Like you guys, you know, you've referenced that match we had in the quarters, you know, between us and Ohio State. I mean, 
you know, you're going to, you can see some of those matches as early as the, as the round of 16, you know? So it's a, I think that's a great tournament. Um, you know, I think, like you said, this year is going to be incredibly tough everywhere, everywhere you go. You know, I, Hey, a funny part is I actually had thought about going to Southern Cal just, um, in the hopes that they might not be able to host, you know, being in California and, and, um, you know, I thought, still might oh, happen. They, yeah, it still <laughs> might happen. Yeah, for sure. Like that, that regional might end up at central Florida. So you just, um, you know, you, you just, you just don't know. Um, you know, obviously I didn't see Stanford pulling out like two days right after they, they selected. So that was, that was kind of a shocker to everyone I thought, but, um, yeah, it's, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, I, I'm obviously hopeful that all the regionals will, will take place and, you know, trying to get four teams in a building over the course of two days, I know will be a challenge for all the host sites and, um, you know, I'm sure they'll all be prepared. So let, let's look for looking forward to this TCU match. I got I have to start with so the, the one guy when, when I know when Alex and I watch TCU, certainly not, maybe not the best player on the team, but indoors, the most fun guy to watch has to be Luke Famba, just hitting bombs. If you had your choice of a, a realistic lineup and you, you knew where they gonna, were going to put him, who's the best guy on your team? I assume probably meaning best return of serve, maybe. Who's best suited to take on a guy like that indoors? Well, I mean, I'll, I'll answer that question, but I'll be honest. There's no part of me that's looking ahead to TCU. You know, I think we have to. We're, we're going to have to play Oklahoma. They're a very good team. I mean, they have a lot of depth this year too. You know, that's that's going to be the the thing we have to focus off on right off the bat. You know, we've played them before. Nick does a really good job with their program. Their guys will be ready. Um, you know, so we'll we'll focus on them and worry about TCU and Luke Fomba if if we end up playing them. I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe we do play TCU, but maybe it's in the backdrop match. So you just you know you never know. So we'll we'll focus on Oklahoma. Um, you know, I know TCU actually has a um, excellent indoor team. You know, they did very well at at um, you know national indoors, and I know they have Luke and a couple of British guys, a couple of Czech guys, a lot of guys that are. Um, experienced at playing indoor tennis um, you know so it's going to be a tough match um, I don't know for us our best returner I don't know we'll, we'll have to see how the how the new guys take to indoor tennis obviously um, you know a guy like you know guy, guys like Melios or Sid Banthia you know maybe not the most powerful players but they have excellent returns and they end up putting a lot of balls in play um, you know and are great at kind of returning like that you know you could look at a guy like Henry Squire, who maybe won't return as well, but is going to be excellent at holding serve. So, you know, you're going to get a tight match there. So, you know, I think, um, you know, Taha generally does pretty well against big servers. So, I don't know. I mean, it's it, we're going to have to put out a lineup that we think gives us the best chance to win wherever that kind of where, – wherever that falls into place, you know, so be it. Man, a, a Squire match would be just bombs away. I mean, <laughs> that it would. That's that would be ridiculous. But the guy I was looking to see, you know, after uh, that Ohio State match last year, watching Nava and Trotter just go at it like they were just grinding, I would love to see Nava try to grind him down. And he's no, you know, he's no slouch on the pace either. But I feel like he, he would grind forever. Well, it, you know, if we're lucky enough to play TCU, I think Nava's going to be pretty excited about that match. You know, obviously he transferred from TCU here. Um, exactly. So he's pretty familiar with those courts and those surroundings. And, uh, you know, I, I, I know he's worked really hard in the fall and he's come back in great shape. And, uh, you know, he actually was one of those guys that was lucky enough to travel with his brother some. And, you know, he won a futures and dubs and, and beat some really good, good guys over the summer. 
um, and over the fall, and he's really improved, and he's ready to go. Now, Coach, there you mentioned guys like uh, Taha Badi and Sid Banthia, and I'm not going to lie. I got a lot of shit last year because I kept saying, oh, I don't know, the depth on this t- on this Wake Forest roster, I'm telling you, it's seven, eight, nine guys. Once they figure out the six to play, look out college tennis world. And, you know, we've sort of talked about this earlier, but – you know, just off of the guys you had last year, the success they have had, you know, Sid Banthi in his first two years has been as good at six singles as any player in the country. Uh, it's going to be tough to find opportunities, seven, eight, nine. So again, I know it's probably too early to say this, but uh, how, when you look at, you know, the bottom half of your roster, or even really the top half of that singles lineup outside of maybe Barbotzer, is it really a toss up of any of the other five guys could play anywhere? I, I think so. I mean, I think it, it's, you know, we, we got a guy named Rob Maceag eligible this year as well, and he wasn't eligible last year. So, you know, that's another that's another uh, possible option. And obviously, you know, Rezzy Singu, who's now in his fourth year and, you know, was basically hadn't lost a set at, at six singles outdoors last year. So an, another great option there. I mean, you look at Sid, who had a very good fall, you know, made, made finals of a Futures and Dubs, and he, he beat a guy that was, I think, four four twenty in singles. You know, which is a pretty good win for someone who's, you know, going to arguably play, you know, kind of at the bottom of the lineup, you know. So I think, um, to be fair, I think Henry uh, Squire made a pretty big jump. You know, he's he's got he had a lot of wins over guys top kind of 500-ish, 600-ish over summer and um, in the fall here. And so he's come back and he looks fantastic. You know, he says, you know, he's serving huge and hitting big and he's he's got a world of confidence. You know, so I would anticipate he'll probably play uh, he might start out even at one, to be honest. Um, and then after that, it's yeah, it's you know, it's a, it's a bunch of guys that uh, you know we'll have to see who's playing the best on a given day and see how the new guys adapt. And you know, Adam has a world of experience, and you know, the two young guys. Obviously, I mean, you know, you look at their pedigree coming in. I mean, Filippo has a win over the number one junior in the world, and Luciano was you know number one in Argentina at some point and played Junior Davis Cup and you know twenty in the World ITF and. You know, he has some really good wins. So, you know, those guys, those guys are going to be ready to go. And it's going to be interesting to see how we, how we figure it out. You know, like I said, I might let you guys just make our lineup. At any chance you get like a 12 V 12 against Baylor. <laughs> maybe, maybe we're, you know, I, yeah, I think Woodson said he was game. I mean, even I mean, if the other ones don't count, you should do it. <laughs> For sure. I mean, they have a crazy amount of depth. I mean, you know, they're coming to play us, so maybe we should play a match, have them bring their whole team, and then just play another match with our bottom guys just for fun. I mean, it'd, yeah, be, funny yeah. to, it'd be funny to see the level of that match, you know, of guys. Exactly. That yeah, I, think, I mean, granted, who cares if it counts for the record? Keep it off the record, but absolutely, you guys should do that and give those – because they'll all be competitive matches, and they'll be – you know, you wouldn't know you were watching the B team versus the B team, if you will. It'd be just, you know, it'd be like a top-10 level match. For sure. I mean, they have a, a crazy amount of depth, and so do we. And yeah, it would be it would be very interesting to see how that would pan out. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the amount of college tennis uh, talent in college tennis this season, and obviously part of it is due to the fact that all of these seniors were given an extra year of eligibility. And curious your thoughts on the NCAA's decision there, what that did for your team's long term planning, but. You know, again, you have seen every season of 21st century college tennis. There have been some really good years. College tennis, uh, the talent it's produced has uh, continued to increase. But would you say this year, just in terms of talent, top to bottom, some of these rosters, it's got to be as deep as it has ever been? I think so. I think you're spot on there. I, I would say probably probably the deepest it's ever been. I mean, 
I think for a variety of reasons. Obviously, I think, you know, the NCAA made a ruling there where everyone was granted an extra year of eligibility. And not only could seniors come back, but they could come back without counting towards the scholarship limits. So, you know, I think, you know, for us, that was a hard pill to follow, swallow because we had no seniors, you know. So, um, you know, you're going to have some teams out there playing on five and a half, six, maybe even six and a half scholarships. So from a competitive standpoint, I mean, I think that's difficult. Um, certainly understand why the NCAA did it, you know, with the timing of it, you know, and people already committed. You just weren't going to be able to open up scholarship dollars to bring back those seniors. I mean, I think for us, inevitably over time, it's going to be amazing because, you know, you look at the depth of our roster and how many of our guys can come back for a extended period of time. You know, it's, it, 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 we, we do have what I would say overall a very young team still this year. But, you know, if you look at it where we can be in two or three years, I think, you know, we're kind of set up for a very nice run here for a few years. Um, you know, as far as the depth of college tennis this year, I think, like you said, it's going to be crazy, you know, with, with probably a lot of teams having guys that, took falls off because nobody knew what was going on with COVID, which meant that opened up scholarship dollars. You know, I think there's going to be so many teams that have an amazing amount of depth and, you know, you're going to be looking at some matches at five and six singles going, wow, these guys are really good. So yeah, it should be, it should be a fun year and there's going to be a lot of teams competing for top 10 and 25 spots. And, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have to see how that all plays out. So, so given, given what you just said, right. And I think, most people by now realize, as you stated, the the seniors, if you will, that came back this year don't count against the scholarship limit. And everybody gets an extra year, but after this year, right, all the guys that were the juniors and down that made they get the extra year, but they will then count back against the scholarship <laughs> limit, right? So now you've got a lot of you, you've got a lot of juggling to do from that perspective. When you throw that. In, you, you take that into account with you've effectively got an extra class of guys to try to juggle scholarship money between and a big roster. What does that make recruiting look like for you over the next, you know, one to three years? Well, for sure. I mean, I think it's, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a challenge. You know, I, I feel, I really feel for the younger kids, you know, kids that are sophomores and juniors in high school and seniors. I mean, I think finding, scholarship and even spots is going to be tougher to come by you know for us honestly we we already have a couple grad transfers coming in next year you know we have a we have a situation with a couple grad programs here where um you know they they actually give out a lot of funding for those so that's that's a pretty big advantage for us i think that's going to be the case over the next uh, three four years you know i think grad transfers are going to be pretty prominent out there you know you're going to have kids who you know graduate and just you know it's just time for them to move on or they, they just want a different experience or they just can't get in a grad program they want at the school they're at so i think grad transfers are going to be um a big part of college tennis over the next two three years and you know you think about it you know if you have a team that's ready to win and ready to win now you know and you can add a you know 23 24 22 year old player to your roster for that year compared to a 17 or 18 year old kid no matter how good they are you know i think that's a um interesting option for a lot of college coaches here so you know for us as far as recruiting we are you know we have a couple younger kids coming in already for next year and like i said a couple grad students so we're not really looking to add too much else for next year um having said that we'll see how things pan out you know like 
like I said, as far as, you know, we have a lot of guys that want to play pro tennis. So, you know, is there someone who kind of makes a big jump and decides to leave or is there, a, you know, see what happens with COVID or are there some transfer options? So we'll have to see, you know, we always kind of have our, um, you know, eyes open as far as recruiting goes, but uh, you know, it'll be interesting to say the least for the next couple of years. Yeah. None of us can doubt your recruiting ability. You pull in great classes, classes every year. And, and it seems like they're all big successes, but I mean, I got to ask there, the, that had to be a failure not getting Stokowiak. He was right next to you. <laughs> well, we, we tried. We tried. So uh, I like Nick. He, he's a he's a really good kid. You know, he had a very good very good career at Duke. Um, you know, Coach Boland, um, being ever the masterful recruiter that he is, uh, swept in there and got him from us. So um, you know, talk, talking to Brian a lot. I'll have to uh, get all his recruiting secrets now that he's uh, you know out of college tennis for at least a little bit. But uh, you know, he did a great job. We tried really hard with Charlie as well, um, you know, from Dartmouth. And uh, I thought he was a he would have been a good fit for us and seemed like a very good kid as well. So I, I'm pretty sure those guys are going to do some very good things at Baylor. Mm-hmm. No, I say it all the time. If I can ever convince a uh, woman that she's, you know, I'm worthy of marrying, you're doing the engagement process, Coach, because you'll convince her to marry me. I'll be like, oh, I've, I brought in Coach Bresky here for the engagement process. You just have to sign this letter real quick. I, I, I don't know, buddy. I might be your second pick. I, I'd suggest going after Bolin first, but if he turns, <laughs> if he turns, if he turns you down, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Oh, I mean, look, it's a win-win for my scenario. I'm, I'm in. Uh, yeah, that sounds like it'll work for me. But you know, again, you look at uh, the the scene in college tennis right now, and you mentioned some of these guys who are coming back for a fifth year, and how that may help them with their pro aspirations. Do you think we will see people, given all the uncertainty surrounding the pro tour, uh, maybe turn to college tennis for a year or two now until? the schedule until really things return to no normal post COVID, because I think we've seen college tennis is clearly a viable pathway to the pros. I think it is for sure. There's no doubt about it. I mean, um, again, that's a very good question. You know, I think it's so individual, you know, and, and, and it's so personal for each, for each kid. And it totally depends on, you know, their situation. Um, you know, what, what they have from a financial standpoint, you know, what they have from a coaching standpoint, where their, you know, education is, how much they value education, um, you know, how much they actually know about college tennis and the level of it. So I, I don't know to be, I, I don't actually think it's going to change too, too much. You know, you'll still have your great foreign players that come in, you know, you'll have, you'll have guys like Petros and Gojo, you know, that occasionally will, will give it a shot. And then, you know, you'll have guys that just have no interest in it. So I, I, I'm very hopeful that even pro tennis, even with COVID here, you know, as the vaccine kind of, um, you know, starts circulating a little bit, you know, maybe not in the early part of the year this, this year, but hopefully by summer, you know, kind of gets back to some form of normalcy and, um, you know, kind of the world is back to normal. And, and by next fall, we're, we're kind of ready to go. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned three, uh, two guys there in Borna and Petros. I'll throw Skander in there as well. All three of them having success on the pro, pro tour thus far early in their careers. Does you know ha- watching them from afar? And you know there hasn't been much other tennis, I suppose, for you to watch. So maybe you've gotten the chance to see them a little bit down the home stretch of 2020. Does it shock you at all to see you know all of those guys inside the top 500 for Borna in particular? He's hovering right near that top 200, top 180 range. Has it shocked you to see that have see them have that much success so early? Oh, not at all, not at all. I mean, I think 
Um, I mean, those guys were just fantastic guys, unbelievable players. You know, you Bornas, Bornas in Doha right now, getting ready for the Aussie Open, and Petros just had a minor sports hernia surgery, so he's going to be back at it here in a couple weeks. And Skander, you know, won again today in Tunisia, and he's, you know, he just won a futures, made finals, won, you know, so he's up to like 350-ish, and you know, Petros has played such a limited schedule. Obviously, he got killed with COVID, you know, so. You know, I think he's sitting right at, uh, I don't know what he's at, maybe 400, a little over 400. But, you know, I have no doubt that those guys are capable of getting themselves in the, the top 250 pretty quickly and getting them themselves into slam qualities. And, you know, then, then they have to see from there and see if they can make that next jump into the top 100. Mm-hmm. Did you, and this might be a stupid question, so by the way, if you're going to swear at me, now would probably be the time. But watching those guys play during their four years, or born as case, three years in college, did you know that those guys, that that's pro talent? You know, what differentiated them? And I guess for Petros, guy loses three times total his last two years. You kind of just know at that point. But what made those guys so special in college? What do you think translated so quickly to the pros? Well, I think it's a fine it's a fine line in the pros. You know, I think you could be around those guys, watch them train a little bit, watch them compete, and you could very quickly say, okay, I have no doubt this guy's going to be top 400, 350, something like that. You know, I think to say that they're going to be top 100, which is another level, is is very difficult. You know, I had I had a guy at UVA, Samdiv Devarman, who I'm sure you guys remember. I mean, I was with him for four years. I mean, I was literally on court with him every day. You know, we traveled to all the tournaments together. I mean, great friend of mine, and he, we had an amazing relationship. And even after he won two NCAA titles and made finals of another one and basically dominated college tennis his senior year, you know, if you would have said to me, hey, is this guy going to be top 100? I would have said, I don't know. You know, part of that was maybe his game style. But, you know, he got to 62 in the world and, you know, made finals of a couple ATP events. And, I, I mean, I think it's it, when when you go out there and you get to that level, the, the biggest thing that those guys all had, some have included all those guys, Noah, you know, as well, is that they were able to adjust to a new level of competition and, and basically dominate that level, which is what college is. You know, in, in my opinion, college is a fairly significant jump at the top of college tennis, a fairly significant, significant jump over futures level tennis, you know, and I think it, it kind of equates to, um, you know, challenge your tennis. And if you're able to be, you know, top five in college and you're able to dominate college tennis, you know, you can look at JJ, you know, from a couple of years ago and, you know, he went out there and Borna, guys like that. I mean, they're able to win matches and challengers right away, even while they're in college. Um, you know, so I, I think that is kind of what you can say about those guys. When you watch them, you can see that they're going to be able to make that jump into that realm. And then if they could get to the top 100, that's, that's, a, that's a different story. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, I think for Skander, the serve, the forehand, it pops off the screen. Just it's an eye test thing. You're like, okay, those are pro weapons. And with Petros, again, having watched him as closely as I did during his pro career, you're just like this guy knows how to win matches. There, there are people who've got it. There are people who don't. He's the side of people who have got it. For me. Borna's the most interesting one because he's got a little hunchback of Notre Dame to him in that, much like myself, he likes to slouch around the court. He's never going to stand tall and show off that 6'4 frame, and yet it just feels like he plays to the level of his competition. Now, sometimes that's a bad thing, but it doesn't matter how good the player is. The harder you hit the ball, it almost wakes him up, and he's kind of like, oh, this is how we're playing today? I'm kind of into this. Am I on, you know, am I on to anything there? Do you feel at all similarly? 
Yeah, I think you're pretty pretty spot on with all those guys. You know, I mean, I think I mean, Borna again. You know, he <laughs> man, he was about to play his first full year on tour, and he he had some crazy success right off the bat. You know, playing Davis Cup for Croatia, and you know, going. I think he went four and three with Rafa and Davis Cup, and you know, he's kind of made a pretty big jump where he's making a lot of semis of challengers and you know i he's beaten a couple guys that are top 100 now and you know he has that ability like you said i mean the biggest thing about pro tennis compared to college tennis which is interesting you know is that in pro tennis realistically every week doesn't matter you know you can go out there and you can have a bad week you can have a bad couple weeks but you know the week that you're feeling it and the week that you're on is the week that you have to finish because all the points and all the money are in the you know, semis and finals. And that's where you really make jumps in your rankings and, you know, kind of pad your pocketbook. So I think all those guys have that ability where, you know, they, I feel like, you know, you look at Skander, I mean, he won regional singles and doubles, you know, two years in a row where you're playing, it was like 14 or 15 matches in a span of like five days, you know? And I mean, Petros has won all American and fall champs and, you know, Bourne has won countless tournaments, you know? So those guys, I feel like have that ability where they play their best towards the end of the week when they really find their rhythm and they're on. And that's, you know, that's a skill that not a lot of people have. Mm-hmm. No, I, I completely agree with you. It's why it's, it was so fun to watch them play in college. It's fun to watch them play pro tennis matches. Now, you brought up Samdev Devarman. I Obviously, you were an assistant at UVA for quite some time. I know you also uh, know Sanam Singh pretty well. I'm curious because I got the chance to talk to a bunch of those guys for a project we're working on. Were you invited to the Sanam Singh wedding? And why does everyone refer to this wedding as potentially the greatest event in history? <laughs> I was invited to the Sanam Singh wedding. He came to my wedding. Uh, Sanam's a good, buddy, a good buddy of mine. Unfortunately, with the uh, trip to India, I can't remember exactly when it was. I, I think it was like, I think it was like mid-season or something like that. You know, I, I, I've been known to do some crazy things from a recruiting standpoint. You know, I do a lot of day trips to Europe, or I'll go see a kid. But uh, doing a day trip or a two-day trip to India. You know, it was going to end up taking me about seven days with the amount of travel that was. So it just unfortunately wasn't doable at the time. Um, you know, so I, I have to make it up to him with some uh, free golf. Yeah, no, everyone says the Sanam Singh wedding, just something like that. It was just the festival of all festivals. And that, you know, the Samdev wedding, not to rip on him, his was pretty, you hear pretty good things about as well. But I got to get the invite to the, you know, I guess not the next one, but the next UVA all team wedding, because it sounds like they're all good times. They are. They are. Well, Sanam was mad at me. I was supposed to be on his, you know, his wife, uh, who I know as well as as an excellent golfer. And so Sanam and I was supposed to be on his team. And I think I let him down because I think uh, his wife's team kind of, waxed the floor with him and I, I think he was hoping I was going to be able to help him out so he he puts a lot of blame on me for their loss I think <laughs> it all makes sense now that I'm starting to get it yeah no Jameer couldn't pick up the slack for you he needed Jameer. no no I, I'm, I'm not sure Jameer is much of the golfer <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I'm sure he could pick it up much like everything else but you know you talk about the golf and we've talked about this a little bit with some of the other coaches I'm sure over these past nine months you have spent less time on the court since maybe you were, I don't know, 11, 12 years old, you know, before you were even playing. And I'm curious uh, over these past nine months, how has that been for you personally? Has it been, you know, have you had some time to maybe hang out with the family that you otherwise wouldn't have? And how have you spent these past, you know, nine months? How are you holding up? Yeah, it's been, it's been weird. I mean, you know, it, it, yeah, it's like you said, spent a lot of time with my family. I have two young kids, two and a half and four and a half. So that, that's been great. And with my wife and um, I think, the weirdest thing, yeah, not being on the tennis court, um, but even weirder has probably been the not traveling. You know, I feel like 
I used to have uh, stock in Expedia. And I mean, I haven't looked at a flight, you know, for eight or nine months, you know, we're just, we're not allowed to go recruit. And, you know, obviously with COVID, um, you know, traveling just to other countries, which I tend to do a lot, has kind of been very, very iffy. So that's, that's been weird. So no, I was home a lot, spent a lot of time with family, said played, played, played more golf than probably I have. Didn't improve much, but played more golf than, than I ever have. And, uh, you know, did that. And, you know, it was kind of weird days, especially at first when COVID hit, you know, no one knew what was going on. And then, you know, by the time summer hit, you know, you would, as a coach, you try to, you try to plan. And that was probably the hardest thing because it was so hard to make any kind of plans. You know, I, everything changes. And I think as coaches, we're, we're looking to schedule two years out and make and recruit two years out and make all these plans. And, you know, no one knew what was going on. So, you know, more often than not, they were asking us not to come on campus. So, you know, I would, I would wake up with my kids and spend a little time with them. And then, you know, by 8 a.m., I'd go upstairs and kind of make it an office and get on the computer. And, you know, by noon, okay, I, I, don't, know, I don't know what else to do. And, you know, for <laughs> someone who uh, more often than not, you know, is used to working 10, 12, 12-hour 12 days, you know, working a four-hour day was, was very, very weird. And so, you know, you go spend some time with the family. Like I said, hit the golf course, try to, try to take your mind off things. And, and uh, that was COVID. Yeah, now I got a call from my people at the Cypress Airport. They said, have you seen Coach Tony? They're like, where's Coach Tony? I was like, I know. I I haven't seen him either, but I'm sure uh, he's looking forward to getting back there. I, I have to ask you a follow-up, though. What's the handicap looking like right now? How's the golf the golf game's not improving? It's looking all right? It's not improving. We're, we're just pretty stagnant around a 4-5. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, man, I just, just good, don't have man. in me to make that next jump. Uh, you know, my, my assistant Chris is uh, – little better than that he's around a scratch so he he gets me more often than not i can't say i enjoy it so if you have to golf when you when you guys are at the national or you know the coaches convention the national indoors whatever it may be you can sneak in around who is the college tennis coach you enjoy golfing with the most out there where does it get most competitive oh well it probably gets most competitive with my assistant (laughs) chris you know he uh yeah we, we we battle um he's like i said he's very good um, you know, I, I probably is probably golf the most with my buddy Jay at Oklahoma state. Um, I wouldn't say it gets super competitive. Well, obviously, you know, he, he's a little bit, I don't know what he is. He's maybe a 10, 12 handicap. So I have to give him a few strokes and we go after it, but we, we generally have a good time on the, on the course. Um, uh, spent a lot of time golfing with my buddy CJ, who's the assistant at MC state. You know, he's obviously, um, close to us here. So we meet in the middle every now and then, um, you know, so th- those are kind of some of my buddies that I end up golfing with a little bit more with the coaches. And, and it's weird, you know, it's just, it's funny how little we've been able to do that, you know, in the past, you know, we, I, I think a place where we really enjoy golfing is Kalamazoo, you know, so that's, they have a bunch of great courses there and, you know, it stays light out till nine thirty, So after the matches are done, but uh, you know, there was no Kalamazoo this year. So it's been, it's been so long since I've seen another college coach, really. It's going to be uh, fun to see a lot of my buddies over the course of the year here. Uh, hey, hey, Alex, I'm, last year in our in our rapid fire section, we asked Coach Bresky about, you know, some of our alternatives, particularly like the coaches play a doubles point before the match to decide who serves on all courts. I think we could add another option, and that is the coaches play some golf to decide who serves uh, on all the courts, right? Uh, I'm, I'm more in the game for that. I mean, if they want, <laughs> you know, if we want, if we want, as long as my sister gets to play, yeah, I'm in. You know, we can toss in the doubles point for, for that matter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like it. 
Yeah, I, I'm just all I'm imagining Coach Bresky is you just being a killer on the greens, just draining these 25 foot putts. Like I feel like the the driver probably 200 on the best days, but it's just everything straight down the middle, and you're just draining these putts. Yeah, I would say probably short game is my strength. I, hopefully, I got a little bit more than 200 in the in the in the bank <laughs> with the driver. But yeah, I wouldn't say uh, distance is my my specialty but yeah getting around the green just just grinding you know trying not to make mistakes is kind of kind of how we play Uh, what what i want to see is i want to see bresky in kind of a a rider cup scenario on the green at 18 with ty tucker staring him in taste (laughs) (laughs) hey i'm in yeah i'm in that can decide who serves first in the in this year's national semifinals do you hit the I'm going to be wearing his sweats on the golf course. That's what uh, I want. Of course. <laughs> He's got the exception. The Columbus Country Club allows sweats on one person. They're like, we're not going to change him. It's fine. And if Ryan Day wants to wear it too, that's cool. Uh, I don't but, know, man. In, in Columbus, they might have a course named after Ty, so he'd probably do what he wants. That's <laughs> true, yeah. They call him Bobby Ty Tucker Jones. I don't know if you guys know that. That's it. that's what he goes by on the side. But, no, obviously, Coach, again, we're so appreciative of your time. One last serious question for you before we let you go. Obviously, again, uh, we have you as our number two team in our Cracked Rackets present preseason poll which i guess if you're looking for rankings uh that that's not a horrible one to start out with and we're all so excited to watch your team compete in 2021 for us fans out there what should we expect from the demon deacons this season yeah i mean i think we have a you know we have a very motivated and hungry group you know like we talked about i think um i think you're gonna see that from a lot of teams though you know it's it's amazing i i I do feel for the kids around the country that had their college and college experience taken away from them you know i think even this year i i couldn't even imagine being a freshman say and starting out in college you know i think with all the protocols it's, it's just such a different experience but uh no i mean i think obviously i'm very hopeful that our doubles will be will be improved you know with the, with the added depth and experience that we have and we can kind of figure that a- aspect out for us and uh you know i i know our depth is going to be there and i'm just looking forward to kind of working with the guys and seeing them progress through the season you know, we, we play so many great teams this year. I mean, our schedule is just stacked and, you know, we're going to have a lot of opportunity, a lot of amazing matches, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to get on the court with these guys and get after it. Yeah. Well, coach, we are very much looking forward to seeing your team on the court. And of course, we are wishing you all safety, health, and a happy new year. So coach, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us as always. And obviously there's always a spot open for you. Should you want to come back and chat later this season? Thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me. Same to you guys, and you guys have a nice day. Yeah, of course. Thanks again, Coach. Hope all of you enjoyed our conversation with Wake Forest men's tennis head coach Tony Bresky. A huge thank you to Coach for taking the time to chat with us once again. It's always fun to talk to someone as candid as Coach, and of course, few people, if any, have experienced the success he has again in the past 10 years of college tennis. So, of course, we wish all of his Demon Deacons success, health during this 2021 season, and we're really looking forward to seeing what his team can do, because if healthy, uh, they have the chance to put together a 
really special season. So it's going to be really fun watching Wake Forest here in 2021. And of course, they were the subject of today's Great Shot podcast as well. Matt Stokowiak, Chris and I getting together to offer our extended thoughts on the team, where we see the lineup shaking out, how we think they compete nationally within their conference, what their schedule looks like, all of that and so much more. So be sure to go check that out on the Great Shot podcast feed, of course. It's the first week of the 2021 professional tennis season, and we are covering all of the action on our mini break podcast. If you have missed anything, you can find those Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And of course, like, rate, subscribe, review this show, the Great Shot Podcast, the Mini Break, the Inside Out Podcast, the Sideline Podcast, all of our shows here at Crack Rackets. We just want to provide as comprehensive coverage of this 2021 season as possible. And of course, when you like, rate, subscribe, review, it helps all of our metrics, or at least that's what they tell me. So please uh, go ahead and do that. And if you need those more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at Great Shot Pod. Shout out as always to our super producers, Max Flickner and Daniel Westoff for the of an editing job they do day in, day out. Shout out as well to our friends at Midwest Sports. Go to MidwestSports.com. Use that promo code CR15 to let them know we sent you there. Uh, and again, if you have missed any of our College Contender Series, if you have missed any of our coverage of the 2021 season, you can find it all at our website, CrackedRackets.com. But with that in mind, for our wonderful guest, Tony Bruschi, my co-host, Chris Hallioris, our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, our friends at Midwest Sports, and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Freskin. You've been listening to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll talk to you all soon. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.